Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Sitting Dockside with your host, Matt Rail from the cold Man. north and Troy Goldsby from the great state of Tennessee. Today we have an awesome guest, Mr. Wade Bales from uh, Quality Lakes, Inc. out of South Carolina. Does a lot of work all over the southeast in fisheries management, overall uh, aquatics and water body management. And what's really cool, if you listen to this whole episode and listen to the end, we're going to talk about some technology that Wade has developed that is going to be out there for PWNRA members to utilize. www.pwnra.org is the parent nonprofit. You can also be a member of our Facebook page, Lake and Pond Management Questions Content Community. And obviously, you can download this um, this podcast from any podcast app and it is sitting dockside. And the other thing, in promoting this technology that Wade has developed, we're cross-promoting the Piranha Gill Challenge that Matt has put forth to me, the toughest guy in Tennessee, to come swim with his bluegills that he calls Piranha Gills. They are the toughest. Uh, we, did, we literally um, have genetically altered their roof of the mouth so they have teeth. Uh, and so very similar to walleye. And so they will be tearing apart Troy. He has to get into the lake, do a podcast in the lake. And that is only if you take a minute and a half of your time, go to pwnra.org and basically hit become a member. It takes a minute and a half. Not only that, you get just awesome stuff that you're going to hear at the end of the podcast. Not only we see Troy in agony, pain, and, uh, you know, Greek gods do not have nipples. Uh, let's just say he is going to be in that same category after the podcast up and in here with the piranha gills. So it's going to be pretty amazing. I'm tougher than what Matt thinks. I'm not concerned at all. <laughs> well, we're your hosts, Matt Rail and my Tennessee buddy, Troy Goldsby. Together, we have been working with lakes and ponds for over 40 years. And during that time, we have picked up on a ton of tips and tricks from lake owners and experts from all over the country. So if you want to learn how to catch some smiles from your kids or grandkids on your lake, or learn how to grow some memories on your pond, then come sit with us on Sitting Dockside. Welcome to another Sitting Dockside with uh, Troy, Matt, and special guest, Wade Bales. Troy, been a tough week again this week, man. I'm working hard. I'm fish, are, fish are growing, but they uh, this cloudy weather is just not bringing up oxygen, and we are looking at these ponds every day. And uh, I'm ready for some sun and some wind, man. Because yeah, what's that forecast look like? It's been cloudy here the past few days too. Yeah. Well, the next three days are cloudy, and so that means when for the listeners that cloudy weather basically we not photosynthesizing a lot of ponds, and then they don't get their surge in oxygen, so we live on reserves over the night. When we can do that two or three days, but we start to get a long-term, you know, stream of cloudy weather with no wind or sun, and um, especially on the ponds that we're really pushing, you know, uh, we got to watch them. Uh, we had a, uh, it's funny because we were doing, uh, we did a podcast, I don't know, two weeks ago, Troy, of a, uh, it was a Why Am I Fish Dying? podcast yeah. i was li literally listening to that podcast as one of my ponds was rolling <laughs> dying <laughs> and that podcast off and uh while i was getting the emergency aeration on and uh they were literally yeah we lost a few fish that day so wow 
Well, that's never good. That's always a – I've had that happen a couple of times where I pulled up on a lake and you could tell it was obviously in a stress event. Uh, one was somewhat caused by me. Uh, I pulled – I was bringing the water down for some uh, bottom maintenance on the lake and I pulled a bunch of top water off over the course of three or four days. So I literally removed all of the oxygen-producing layer of water. So – uh, and we hit a we hit a hot cloudy spell shortly after that um, as I was shutting the valve and buddy they were struggling and I spent all night I would I would get a boat out in there and I'd run it for I didn't have any other aeration so I would just get an outboard and I'd tilt the prop way up so I was just spewing water everywhere and I would run for twenty or thirty minutes at a time and then I would sleep for twenty minutes and then I would run it for twenty or thirty minutes at a time and I would sleep for twenty minutes and I did that until sunrise and we didn't lose any fish, but it was a, it was a challenge. So, <laughs> I'm not that. sure that I did anything, but I felt like I did. Yeah. So. yeah. Being there and watching those fish doing nothing just hurts you a little bit, but uh, that's pretty funny. But uh, you had a really cool event happen. Little promotion this week, Troy, you, yeah, uh, you want to tap on that before we roll into hearing Wade and all his cool, cool stuff. Yeah, man, you know, I've, I've been able to, work with some great folks through the years. And one of those obviously is Luke Bryan and Luke's hooked me up with several other folks. And one of those is Blake Shelton and both of those guys, you know, I started a YouTube channel called Aqua Troy and um, they both gave me a, a shout out on their social medias, one on Twitter and one on Instagram this week. And uh, really cool. It, it ramped the uh, YouTube channel up, channel up quite a bit, trying to get to a thousand subscribers. And then, uh, wrap my socials up quite a bit. So it was just nice of those guys to take a little bit of time and, uh, and do that. Cause that's, uh, they get those types of requests pretty often. Luckily they, uh, they, they did it for me. Yeah. I, you, the YouTube is aqua Troy, but I'm not understanding why you didn't call it the aqua donkey. I mean, <laughs> aqua donk, you know, you got it. Wait, his son, his that. son, his son thinks my name is aqua donkey. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm often referred to that way, but the word, the term donkey isn't used. There's another there's another <laughs> slang word for donkey that I'm typically typically referred to as. So <laughs> we were doing, you know, I don't know. He was listening to something. Troy was kicking out, and then my little four year old came around the corner, and he was like, he was saying Aqua Troy, and you know how he does hashtag and all this at the end of it, and uh, he goes, "Who's Aqua Donkey?" And I just <laughs> Like the aqua donk is in the house. So anyway, we gotta we gotta get going. We got a cool guest who's done some really really neat innovation. Uh, Wade Bales from Quality Lake Inc. works down in South Carolina in the southern region, um, Georgia, Florida. You kind of done some neat things, Wade, because you have basically put together a uh, you've seen a missing link that we needed in, in pond owners. And you have kind of dipped in some innovations. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the show. Um, and and some production of what we need to help people with, with some harvesting. But uh, Wade, introduce yourself and and uh, and talk to with us a little bit. Yeah, good morning, guys. I'm thankful to, to be on your show. And um, I can't believe I'm sharing the air with Hollywood Goldsby. But... Um, <laughs> That's yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I I've been in the fish management business for 
30 plus years now and um, launched our company about 14 years ago and uh, managed pretty much here in the Southeast. We do, we'd like Troy and you, we do pretty much anything related to freshwater, uh, freshwater management and fish management. So uh, it's been a really fun, fun adventure. And um, that's, that's pretty much who we are. Uh, yep. Southern part of South Carolina. So like most of us, we've had, we've had a, uh, go ahead, Troy, before I yeah. start roll up. I'll just say this, uh, of, you know, there's several people that I've always identified and learned from and appreciate tremendously in the industry. And Wade's one of those guys, probably the best demeanor of anybody I know in the industry, uh, just a class act in terms of knowledge. It's, uh, it's, it's awesome. Wade provides a lot. Uh, he's always like you and I, Matt, always uh, willing and able to uh, share knowledge. There's some in the industry that don't really follow that line of thinking, but we've all uh, always been able to do that. And uh, Wade has always been one of the go-tos of mine for questions if I've ever had them. And it's certainly uh, something that I have appreciated for a long, long time. Yeah. Hey, Troy. I, I can ditto that for sure. But in the Southeast, we've had just like, you know, just like we've had all over the country, but uh, basically, you know, the pond lake owners have not uh, harvested properly, right, Wade? Yeah. And uh, yeah. you get, you get, uh, you get a little bit, uh, um, I want to say, anxious about this or aggressive about this because you actually have built some neat stuff, but you actually have worked with the pond owners and showed them what harvesting has done, right? Yeah. And like, like you guys, as soon as, well, before I even got in the business, you know, with the onslaught of catch and release and that culture that's evolved since the late seventies, uh, and you know, pretty much every pond we ever got into or get into is bass crowded, you know, so uh, harvest is non-existent for the most part. And um, yeah, people do pay us to harvest for them, but more often than not, folks want to try to do things themselves and uh, allocate those resources somewhere else. So we see, I, I tell people 98% of the ponds we get in have too many bass, you know, or need some type of harvest component. Right. The, uh, I think uh, Steve Barden does a good job on one of his on one of our older podcasts of why that kind of um, thought process has been brought in and into private yep. lakes and that sort of thing. And he does a really awesome job of that. Um, and uh, but it's uh, it's an essential for what we do, especially in the largemouth bass production, because of I think uh, Troy broke it down on another podcast in which how many pounds of fish it takes to uh to raise you know a three to five pound largemouth and it's just astounding and uh yeah. let me and, jump in here while you're on that topic as well um y'all have covered a lot of ground in your previous podcast and i really like really like those um but harvest one of the challenges we have is getting people to actually remove fish from their pond and <laughs> So, you know, we try to get the point across there, that your water, your pond is only going to support so much biomass, so many pounds of fish per acre. And you getting back to what you just said about Troy's comment on how many pounds of fish it takes to grow bass. You know, 
if it's a one acre pond, you might be able to do that and deal with that. But most ponds are five plus acres in size. You can't stock enough forage fish to supplant having too many bass in there. And that, that predator biomass has got to be reduced. You know, <coughs> uh, Bill Davies, my professor at Auburn, used to say, if you understand the concept of balance between bass and bluegill populations, you can manage elephants on the Serengeti. And it's, it's the same concept of whitetail deer management. Uh, you're managing numbers. You're managing, you know, in that case, you're managing the number of does typically. In our case, we're managing the number of, a lot of times, male bass. You know, we're, we're trying to, we're, we're managing bass. So it just seems to be such a struggle for people to get over I just can't kill these fish or I just can't remove these fish. Bass are incredibly resilient. And you can take, as Troy will, as Troy has said before, you can take a lot of pounds of bass out of a, a system per acre um, and not you're not going to hurt anything. If anything, you're probably going to help. Right. Yeah. I I talked I talked to a guy the other day about this. He's always he's always battled a catchability issue versus a size issue and he's he's been bass crowded and but then he would have like 20 and 30 you know per hour catch rates and i'm like hey man listen that if that happens once a year we we make it justified i said but your catch rates are, are too high and it's revealed in the fact that his bass were thin uh, he was just crowded you could see it in the forage base and so this year we kind of hit a stride with that lake to the point way that he's he's truly going to be managing and removing based on relative weights this year, because for a long time it's been we almost had to remove a lot based on on length. But um, he's only catching you know on a good day ten to twelve fish per hour, but man the the size and the relative weights have increased so dramatically. He's caught three or four this year over ten pounds. Uh, he's catching healthy, healthy four to six pound fish, several seven pound fish. Now, this is the balancing act. His catchability may be a little bit less than what he really wants it to be, but now we can start dialing back that catch rate a little bit. And he may not have to, or that harvest rate, he may not have to harvest quite as many. And then we won't be out of out of whack so badly. He may get back to a point he has to remove a few more every year, but he's in a pretty good position now that he can. He can manage much more effectively for what he's trying to accomplish. That's right. And you actually have a, a case study. Why don't you share with our listeners a little bit more about that case study uh, leading to that, Wade, unless uh, you want to do a little bit more of an intro. But I want to hear you actually, you know, instead of us talking about it, you've actually put some meat on the bone and uh, and have shown uh, – with some removal rates and poundage and, and what it's done. And I'm anxious to dive into that. Okay. So I've got to, I've got two, uh, I'm going to try to share some figures here, but one of them is uh, kind of the classic pond owner that we see. They bought an old farm. It's got an old pond on it. It's been there for 40 years. Nothing's yeah. ever done. We go in and shock it. And um, you know, you see the typical, this typical size distribution there. So this is what we typically see in these old ponds. You know, it's, they're all jammed up under, typically under 
14 inches or so. Their relative weights are horrible. You know, everything's horrible. <laughs> you know, there's probably some really big bluegill in there. Um, that kind of thing. So we've spent uh, about four years with the pond owner on this one. This is where we are now. So this is a pretty busy slide, but I wanted to leave everything in there um, because it's all relevant. This and for our listeners, that are, if you, we're going to uh, put this on the website. But basically, what we're looking at is a uh, a curve, and what uh, Wade is doing is basically he caught uh, with electro fishing. He caught a, numerous of bass, and they're around eighty uh, percent relative weight on average, maybe a little bit lower around that 12, 14 inches. Now you've, what, now you've harvested now, Wade. And now, now here's my, time. here's my, um, here's my caveat. We have very few ponds that we work on that we only do some kind of harvest. Most of these pond owners are having us do other things. We're installing aeration, maybe structure, maybe some forage stocking. This one is no different, but harvest because the, the pond was so full of stunted bass, harvest has been a pivotal piece of this equation. And we harvest when we are there shocking once a year, and then the owner harvests uh, throughout the year based on relative weight. So if you look at this graph here, um, the, all the work began basically in 2017. Um, We've seen, we've seen a nice progression of uh, relative weights, especially in the larger fish. Right. At, from that mean around 80 or between 75 and 80. Now we're up 95 to 100, maybe a little 100 plus on our on our average. Um, yeah. But the, the, the important part is, if you look at this graph, and I guess you're going to post it later, but if you look at spring 2020, it dipped a little bit. And... That's because we didn't get the harvest we needed that year. So he wants to maintain relatively high catch rates, but at the same time have nice, fat, healthy bass. And that's a, that's a delicate line to walk, as Troy knows. It's a struggle. Um, so, but getting, like you said, Troy, on your, what you, the case study you described earlier, those first couple of years of really pounding it, has got us to a point now where we can tailor our harvest based on what the owner wants to catch. Yep. So you can manipulate what you're seeing in 2020. You can manipulate much easier now than what you had to do in 2017. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's uh, let's take a step back real quick. What is relative weight? We've talked to that now like three or four times, Wade. What would you describe what relative weight is for the new pond owner out there? Um, and uh and how would you uh so well let's start there let's what is relative weight how do you explain that i know i have in different ways but i'd like to hear what um i i guess the simplest way i explain relative weight is relative weight is the weight a bass or a bluegill or whatever the species is should weigh at a given length i mean that's about as simple as you can get it uh that that's, that weight is based on a standard weight equation developed from fish across the country. So you compare the observed weight to the standard weight, and if they're straight up the same, then that fish has a relative weight of 100, and he weighs what he should weigh. So a pond owner can, 
take a length and take a weight and knows what a 100% A-plus fish should weigh. And there's a chart for that. And and actually now there's a app, which we're going to talk about and, and at the end of the podcast, that a pond owner can have at the edge of the pond and measure this fish and then be able to see if it's an optimal size, if it's an okay size or poor size. So therefore they can harvest those fish um, accordingly, depending on length and weight. Troy, relative weights, as you talk about it, is uh, when you tell your your pond owner, are you do you tell them to harvest everything, or at a certain length, or just a percentage of of relative weight? And then what is the that percentage if you do? Well, so for me, when, you know, it's like all of us, when we go into a new scenario, typically we're bass crowded anyway. So there is part of that where you go, all right, you have got to remove uh, a lot of fish that are probably beneath a certain line, 16 inches, 15 inches. But within that, until we get things uh, from the way I do things, until we get things somewhat back in a balanced fashion, we harvest a lot based on size, but within those brackets, we harvest based on relative weight. So, you know, wait, I'll tell people that if, if you catch a 14 inch fish that has a relative, you know, that's emaciated, obviously it needs to come out. <laughs> if you catch one that is 14 inches and it's a football, it obviously has a really good relative weight and it's doing what it needs to do to become a larger fish. So you put that one back in, but on the other end of the spectrum, if, if they catch a 24 inch fish, it is horribly emaciated. They should take it out as well because there's something wrong with that fish. It's not doing what it needs to to continue to thrive, and it's simply taking up space. So, yeah, for a while we'll harvest more on lengths with relative weight in the equation, but then once we get to the point like this guy has gotten to, the guy I was just speaking about, his focus now is straight relative weights. There's no He has such a scattered uh, group of fish in terms of sizes that he can – we can really hone in on removing fish that are less healthy and, and focus on the fish that are doing what they should. Wade, is that your same? Absolutely. Because when you start off with something like Troy just described, you, you'll you have a slug of fish that are, you know, 14, let's just say 10 to 14 inches. And we're looking at rel- every fish we bring in our boat, we're, we're weighing and measuring so we can track relative weight, but, that group of fish is pounding your prey base right. and they just got to get out of there. Uh, we do check every one of them because every once in a while, there's one in there that's, that's a rock star that's got really fat and somehow can make a living in that situation. You want those genes to stay in there. <laughs> so uh, relative weight allows you to do that kind of specific harvest. But uh, once you get those big groups, you know, whittled down to the winners, um, then um, absolutely just a long-term relative weight-based harvest program works pretty well. Right. And what's really cool about what Wade's talking about is <clears throat> once you get to that point, you have the clients that will actually follow through and do it. You roll into lakes and, and you know, we have guys that are fishing and catching, you know, they're catching fish that are 100, 105, 110% relative weight. And sometimes those fish are thinner than what they're used to catching out of these lakes that are managed well. And they're like, yeah, you know, <clears throat> it was a good fish, but it it looked a little bit underweight. And you're going, it's a hundred and it was 110 percent. You know, it's it's one of those things these guys can really get dialed in, and they kind of know what they're looking for. But uh, you know, we we talk about relative weight if it's under you know 
85%. It's, it may be poor, but we if we have some guys that are catching fish that are 90% relative weights and they think they are just emaciated and they're they're truly not but they've been conditioned now to look at fish in a different way and, and they're looking for big fat heavy relative weighted fish and what is your removal percentage if you say wade when you on that case study did you tell him anything under a hundred percent relative weight, which is the chart that says, Hey, if it's a, a 12 inch fish, it should weigh this. And if it doesn't on our chart, then it's harvested. How did you? Um, in most, you yeah. Most cases. Good question. In most cases, it's anything less than 90. Um, and I've heard the, you know, the talk around spawning season. Well, you know, they're going to be a little less after spawn and blah, blah, blah. Look, if a bass is in good shape when it goes in the to spawn, it's going to be in good shape when it comes out of spawn. I don't really worry about that because most people can't hit their target harvest anyway. Um, and next year, there's going to be 10 of them in that one's place. So, you know, I'm a little hard line on that. But for the most, most of the time, less than 90, you know, we just, we consider, we have, most of our clients just want a good balanced quality fishery. They're not trying to grow trophy bass or not trying to do all this crazy stuff. Um, and so if the relative weights are 90 to 100, you know what? That's considered balanced by most people. And most of my most guys are happy with that. Um, they aren't the 120s Troy's talking about, but there'll be some mixed in there if they do manage that population at that level over time. That's what it's I nice said. So well, yeah, and I, I, I'm I'm with Wade on that. You know, there's <clears throat> I see a lot of reports written that talk about 80 and 85 percent relative weights being where you the, kind of the cutoff line. And for me, that's just too low. It's once too low. Say, no, you know, I agree once, with you. Once fish start hitting 90, you're already on that downward spiral, and you've got to cut it off there. If, if you don't, you're going to look up the next year, and you're going to be sitting at 80 percent relative weights or lower, and you've just got an issue there. So we we cut off at 90. And, we have found that to be a much better. So I, I really start getting concerned when I see a, a large portion of the fish dip into, you know, 95 and 90, but 90 is our cutoff. Yeah. The, uh, and a lot of this, like you mentioned right at the beginning is what is your goal at the lake? Um, soon as your catch ratio is starting to, I mean, once you start harvesting a large, a large amount of fish, it's going to decrease your catch ratio. So um, what is your desired, uh, day fishing. What is what do you want out there, um, and that's going to dictate that on your harvest rates. But when you're getting into that, as as both the guys are saying, and me included, is once you're dipping between the eighty to eighty five percent, I say harvest everything below a hundred. Get the good genetics because you're going to be harvesting. Once we get to my next question here is you'll be blown away how many fish you need to harvest per acre, especially when you're starting a renovation project and it's astounding. So harvesting any blow, anything below that a lot of times just to get those, that get that biomass out. The question I wanted to say back to that slide is Wade is what uh, you basically, the, the results of that slide you harvested every year and you can see that 2019 was actually up towards the 100%. So he, through harvesting, he went from 85 to up to 100% relative weight. 
didn't harvest as much, so it tilted back down. So this is a continuous effort. This is net. This is a project that's never going to end. I mean, you will continually have to harvest top end predators out of that lake and pond, or you're going to trend your relative weights back down, just like uh, Wade was showing with that slide. The next question is, how many pounds of fish did you harvest per acre to start to see that slide go up to get up to that uh that hundred percent relative weight. Do you have that? Great question. Um, you're looking at um, 35 to 40 pounds of bass per acre. And that's a lot of fish. It's a lot of fish. It's, and it's going to depend on the, uh, you know, the trophic level of your pond. This one's a mesotrophic or medium fertility type system. Um, has a low retention time. It, it has a big watershed. Uh, we have a tough time keeping it limed, but <clears throat> still, we were starting off with your classic, really bass crowded situation, and we just, uh, you know, put the hammer down. And that will change over time, and it has changed to where we're harvesting more specific fish, not a size, uh, but also in the fall, I think bass harvest. Fall, the fall period is really, really critical. And I don't know if you see this, Troy, but we see in lakes that we actively manage and do the harvest on, uh, if we have to get in there in the fall to take that new cohort out, um, because those fish aren't always um, the size that anglers can target or, or, or do target. You know, they're the six to 10 inchers. Yeah. Right. The little guys. Mm -hmm. And they're grouped up and they're just pounding your prey base. And so, you know, that, that's where electrofishing comes in. But if you're a pond owner and you, you're to that point, you need to think about shifting your lure sizes and going ultralight, getting the kids out there with crickets and worms, you know, pulling the smaller fish. So we may not harvest as many pounds moving forward, but the numbers we pull out are going to be astronomically higher because it's just smaller fish. You know, the one thing we tell people too is in a little deep, but there you go. We um we encourage, I mean, obviously we we electrofish to make money, but we we encourage removal through electrofishing as well, not just for a good scientific reason too. And one is that if you always catch by hook and line, you know, they've determined that catchability is a true genetic trait now. And so if you're always catching hook and line, then you are always removing your most aggressive fish for the most part. So removing via electrofishing is, is a good idea. I'm not saying it all needs to be done that way, but being indiscriminate in your harvest uh, is, is, is a good way to approach removal because that way you're pulling out aggressive and non-aggressive fish uh, at the same time. So, and expand on that. Basically, you say if you harvest with hook and line over time or nine or 10 years, basically you take out the fish that you catch on hook and line is what you're well, saying. Well, that is if you're not using some kind of qualifier for harvest. You know, if you go back to what we used to do, or I used to do, and just say harvest a certain size, then, yeah. then you're pulling you're pulling those guys out because they're typically going to bite first. If you're using relative weight, that that allows you to at least, you're going to have some post, you know, hooking mortality, obviously, but uh, that allows you to release those those guys. Yeah, that's true too. So if you catch a fish that's emaciated, it's not a very aggressive fish anyway. It's not doing something right. <clears throat> so it yeah. needs to come out and you haven't you haven't 
you haven't drilled down into that uh, genetic component component of it being an aggressive fish. So. I would agree with you on the electrofishing. Um, we have some systems that are horribly difficult to electrofish. Not a lot of habitat. They're deep. They're big. They're open water. Um, where our anglers or our clients actually do better hook and line, and we do electrofishing. Um, yeah, same thing. But it is good to back up what they're catching at least on a rotational basis with electrofishing to see what you really what you really got going on. That's a good point. The uh, and and that's another point of I'll say to both these comments is is if you are doing a relative weight and you're basically throwing back the healthiest fish harvesting your weakest fish over time then actually you're putting the best genetics for that particular lake that particular water quality that particular uh over and over repetitively back into the system so those are going to be your breeding fish and uh you can actually change some genetics in your system um over time if this is done repetitively um so I'll, go ahead i'll say too that one of the things I've been telling people for the, for several years now, yeah, if, if people will stock properly from the beginning, right ratios and start their harvest properly from the beginning of a lake, then you can truly harvest initially based on relative weights. And you don't have to worry about this onslaught of harvest that has to take place <clears throat> in a lake that has been uh, mismanaged for many, many years. So, um, if you do it right from the beginning, you can truly use uh, the app that, that Wade's developed from, from your beginning harvest, and it's, it's pretty impressive to see. The other thing I'll say is that anybody that's looking to do advanced size stocking of fish, I run into this a lot. People want to stock advanced size bass, and we try to accommodate that, but I'm also getting to the point that, that is, that's tough to do, and you wind up with a bass crowded scenario relatively quickly because you you just can't put enough forage in like we talked about earlier so the the what i was trying to say really want to hone in on is the fact that if you stock right from the beginning and you get to the point that it's time to start harvesting you can truly do this based on you can you can focus your harvest on relative weights instead of numbers from the very first time you have to start harvesting that's right that's nicely said the uh wade you have a you have a, a number Another case study you've done, I'd like to hit on that. And then uh, we actually did one with us. And then I'm going to talk a little bit more relative weights. And then we can talk about the new technology that's coming out. All right. So actually Troy's comments just now is a good segue into this. So this, um, you guys see that this yep. is stocking properly and initial management on this lake was off the charts. So basically you need to look at two colors and it's busy, but I, again, I leave all my data in there for a reason. Uh, 2013 and Troy, you'll get a kick out of this. That was year six from a brand new situation. And that is, you know, years four to six are like, the most epic years in a new lake's life, yeah. fishery's life, if it's done properly on the front end, um, this is when people start losing their minds over excitement because your bass, everything's growing. You know, the fish have had five or six years to put some weight on. Um, they're still not very smart. <laughs> they're pretty easy to catch, and people are going crazy over it. And this is where I see people drop the ball. 
because at this point is when everything's great. They haven't really harvested a lot of fish up to this point, and your your lake is, or pond has reached an equilibrium predator-prey-wise unbalance. And that's where this one was in 2013. At that point, management stopped. And then look at the black data points, the uh, the black squares, that's 2019. Just how quickly, or that, that doesn't seem quickly, but that's what happened. That's just a natural progression. They ate their prey base down. The spawning was continuing. There was no harvest. And so that's the result of okay. not, not, yeah. no, no repair mechanism there at all. Yeah, so to explain to the people that maybe not see this, but when they do, so the there's several colored uh, plots on here. It's kind of a scatter graph, and year six is when this started, and it looks great. You've got fish that are, you know, up to 22 inches in length. I'm sure that relative, that relative weight was over 100, but then as they stopped managing that, uh, and if you ever get to see this on uh, the PWNRA site, uh, the black dots are five years, six years later in 2019, and there's actually – uh, no fish that are larger in the electrofishing than year 2013, and all of the relative weights are much lower, and the overall size has decreased as well. So, lake was rocking and rolling, the management stopped, and then everything started uh, a reversion process that moved those fish uh, down on the scale of relative weights, and, and the lengths just all started stacking up at 13 to 14 inches. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you could see this slide, you'd have to look at it for a little bit just to pull out all the information and uh, that way it is done. So he's saying the first six years we got, I mean, we got fish in that uh, 17 to 18 that are, one's even bounced over 120. I mean, that is 120 year old of weight. As he is long. Uh, that fish had to have been, that's a almost an 18 inch fish. That would be a two, three, that's what, probably a five pound fish, four and a half pound fish at 18 inches. Yeah. Four and a half pounds. And you're looking at a, a drop in mean or average relative weight across the bass population, about 25%. Yeah. Know, yeah. 30% over that five year period where there was zero harvest. And look, as managers, that's as disheartening to us as it is to the client, you know, the, you know, it, when you roll back into that, and they've quit that management. You know what that lake could have been if they had continued with your recommendations. It, you know, it's pretty disheartening to us as well. I mean, we we don't like that scenario any more than, than the client. Well, yeah, and we don't like it because it takes so much effort to get it back. Yeah. And it's a larger lake system. Uh, this lake is uh, 200 acres. Oh, wow. You can't, you know, unless you're a Warren Buffett, you know, backing the trucks up to, to stock to fix this. You can't, you can't do that. You have to remove the predator biomass. Yeah. And it's much easier. The, uh, you know, just looking at that slide, what I like about it is, um, is slowly. And as a listener can see, cause they can visualize this, that curve basically aligns up there in 120. And then every year it ticks down like the next, the following, well, it will be two years later. Uh, the, the average is, you know, right around that 90, hundred and then, and then 18 it's, you know, now we're in the low nineties and by 2019, you know, you're, you get an average around 80%. So you went from a 
from average over 110% averages all the way down to, uh, and what's interesting about this slide is you, it was six years old when he first came, managed Lake, and then six years later in 2019, it went from average of 110, so six and six after 12 years, that it went from 110 relative weight all the way down to these same length of fish almost lost 25%, like you said, 25%, 30% of their of their overall weight. And now, it truly becomes the same size, the size distribution is still the same length. That's why relative weight is so important. Yes. Uh, uh, they're, they're, you're averaging about the same size. You, know, you get some fish that are a little bit longer from that initial stocking and whatnot, but then, um, but this, the, that's what's, uh, well, that's why it's important to take, not only take length, but also weight and hence relative weight that we bring into, uh, that we're doing this podcast about. Go ahead. Sorry, Wade. Yeah. So let me jump to the next slide here. This, this is the same lake and, in 20 fall of 2019, uh, the anglers decided they had had enough <laughs> and they were ready for some improvement. And so they started using the Smartfish app fall of 2019. Now we don't do, we as a company don't do any harvest on this lake. It is purely angler driven. Um, and so this data represents uh, through spring of this year. And so Troy, you might recognize this, but if you just glance at this figure, it doesn't look that impressive. You know, there's not a significant shift in that slope of that line of the scatter plot of, of lengths and relative weights. But we've gotten about a 6% increase in average relative weight in 18 months uh, of just harvest. I mean, there's no prey stocking. There's no nothing else going on. We did line the lake uh, yeah. in 2018. But... This has been, and, and I want to, reason I want to park here a minute is because <clears throat> this is like a change in culture for people to start really harvesting fish. This, there had been no harvest on this lake, as you saw in the previous graph. And now these guys are taking bass. Well, guess what's happened? Their catch rate has gone down. <laughs> and now it's becoming a challenge. <laughs> you know, to continue this harvest. Okay, these guys are pulling around two to three pounds per acre a year out of here, and they've gotten, you know, some improvement in their relative weights. So I don't throw this out there to say, well, this doesn't really work, but I just want people to see that when one, when a lake has been stuck in that crowded situation for a while, again, getting back to the pounds of fish you got to pull out of there to fix things, you know, it takes time and effort to reach that goal of harvest every year. Um, yeah. but, but we're excited because, you know, we're actually seeing some progress. And again, it's this is all angler driven. And the cool part is we're able to track this. You know, we were able to fine tune some of their measuring and weighing procedures when using the app. Uh, but this is real data. This is data that has been collected through the app by the anglers themselves. So. Uh, this is just an exciting project for us, and I uh, look forward to following it through. Yeah, yeah you know the the uh, I love what this is showing it, but you you know you talked about the fact that their catch rates had gone down. Man, I you know I guess I'm just a quality over quantity guy. I 
you know, I love seeing quality fish and, um, I think most people do as well, but for some reason, uh, a lot of, a lot of anglers and a lot of private lake owners, when they start, when they start losing that catch rate, man, they can lose focus on what you're truly trying to accomplish. And I understand that, but man, it gets, you know, it, it, it becomes a struggle at times just trying to make sure people keep that harvest up. And, uh, but the catch, catch rate's a big deal because you kind of have to look at the demographic on each lake. You know, if you've got kids involved, right? kids have to catch fish, man. You know, we have to recruit these guys into our sport and, you know, studies have shown they've got to catch fish. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, um, you might be retired, you might be from a different part of the country and you've settled on a, a situation where you want to go catch something, you know, you're, you're wanting to get things done. And so I think it depends a lot on the, on the owners, but it is, it is a challenge to keep it going. You know, there's so many, there's so many variables in catchability too, from, uh, from the anglers, um, level of angling expertise. I mean, that, that changes catchability quite a bit, uh, understanding, uh, how fish, uh, live and thrive and where they could be in the water column at different times of the year. But, but you're right. I mean, you know, if you've got kids involved and Matt and I've talked about this and I'm not sure if it was Matt that had this number, but it's, uh, whatever age the kid is, that's how many minutes you have to catch a fish and keep them interested. So five-year-old <laughs> kid, if you haven't caught something in five minutes, oh, absolutely. and that's where, that's where for me, bluegill catching bluegill is, is such a big deal for young kids. Uh, I know that's what I did, and that's what really gets me excited. So, yeah. yeah. Let me touch on you touched on something briefly there, um, Troy. We we have some systems. I grew up on a system that was just pounded. We had hundreds of hour angler hours of effort on this on this water body every year, and those fish saw every lure known to mankind presented in all the wrong ways. And all these systems that receive a lot of pressure, um, they get tough. And they don't have to be pure Florida strain largemouth to get tough to catch. If they're dragging around stuff and it's being fished improperly um, and everybody's got something different doing that, it it gets tough to angle uh, bass out of those systems. So uh, we actually work with a couple of clubs and and you know, they, they've gotten to where now they're scavenging for new lures and doing workshops on how to fish them and that kind of stuff because uh, it gets hard when these fish see all of these lures, most of the times not presented in the right way. Right. Matt and I have been very upfront about the fact that we're pretty good at growing fish. We're pretty horrible at catching them, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have time, man. I wish I did. Yeah. That's yeah. true. I, I have a customer that would add to this uh way that basically i was doing some numbers and he started in the fall of 2019 same scenario bought a lake small you know short fish and skinny fish and he's harvested just to add to he's harvested over and it's a two acre just small little body of water but he's harvested over a hundred pounds per acre in those three years yeah. So he's harvested 207 pounds total, and it, we're actually going to have him in the show in the fall uh, to see what how his lake has turned around and what it's done with that. 
Um, so that's going to be really cool, but 270 pounds, 207 pounds. That's, you know, that's a small deer in the freezer, you know, and that's, 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 that's pretty, that's pretty big deer down here in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tennessee that's a, yeah. That's a trophy. That's a trophy in my neck. Of this, so. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know, when you harvest off that, so there is, I mean, you got to think as a, as a lake and pond owner, what you're going to do with these fish and how you're going to cook them and, you know, having that time and anglers. Well, look, this is, this is harsh and you can, you can talk about that. You know, I I get to the point though. I'm like, look, if you don't have somebody to give them to and you don't want to keep them, chunk them over the back of the dam. I mean, whatever, just get rid of the fish. However you can get rid of them. And people don't like, people don't like to hear that, but they got to come out. Yeah. Yeah. Be creative. I've got some clients that, um, actually they save their bass and they, they bought a freezer and they chunk them in the freezer. And then, uh, when the freezer's full, they donate them to a local Raptor rehab center. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And those folks are just ecstatic because they don't have to worry about food for their, you know, eagles and owls and ospreys that they're, they're rehabbing. So, and I didn't think about that. We could do that for uh, Auburn's got a really good Raptor center. We could do there's, that. Yeah. You know, there's, there's uh, aquariums around or, you know, there's plenty of places around that do rehab on birds of prey. So think about that, you know, and then I don't know, man, the cold composting thing right now is huge with, with uh, gardening and all there's, there's, there's plenty to do with them, you know? Yeah, that's true. So let's, you thought you believed in this one is you have actually spent time, money and resources to because you felt so this is so important way that you have created an app. Let's just dive into that. And then let's talk how PWNRA members are actually going to benefit from your from this technology. Yeah. So a few years ago, I was uh, I'd left the client's lake and it's one we were doing some intensive management on. We actually had harvested a bunch of fish and we had stocked some of those sub-adult bass, like Troy mentioned earlier, uh, trying to bump genetics and all that good stuff. And the manager actually flippantly told me that he and his wife had been fishing the afternoon before and they kept a bunch of little bass And because I said there were too many bass in there. Well, most of what he kept were fish that they had just paid for that we'd stocked in the lake. And so if people don't always folks don't always listen, you know, and follow through. And I was leaving there just frustrated because it really puts you behind when you have things like that. We want to see, like Troy said, we want our folks to be successful as quickly as possible. And uh, anyway, it just came to my mind, well, we've been using relative weight for years. How can I put that in the hands of the angler? And then that's where we got the app idea. Um, So, We wanted something mobile, something that's real time and technology is such now that our phones, you know, allow us to do pretty much everything uh, right there where we are. So we launched the SmartFish app. It takes a little extra step when you're out there on your pond. You know, you, you can't just measure them. You need to weigh them. You need to be very as precise as possible when you're doing both. But once you enter that data, um, you've subscribed to our data logging service. That data is dumped into a data set for you to access later. And it allows you to enter and track real data from your pond, you know, over time. So in a nutshell, that's what the app is. So basically it, it it's your computer out in the lake. So a lot of people don't like to write things down, but they're able to type in length, weight, and it'll punch out 
what percentage relative weight is right there, then they can save that to Wade? Yes. So there's, there's a couple avenues. You can download the app for free. And yes, while you're on your lake fishing, you can enter a, a length and a weight and it, and it generates your relative weight figure right there. And you can decide whether you're going to harvest that fish or release it. Um, the second level of uh, access to the app is a data logging feature, um, which involves a small subscription rate annually. And when you enter that length and weight while you're in the field using the data logging option, it dumps that data into your permanent data set or your pond. And you can log data from multiple water bodies. You just name them on the app. And then you can recall that data later, graph it with some very simple filters and graphing options on your data set and track your fish over time. So yeah, puts you puts all of the data management in your hand as deep as you want to go right there on the water. And accolades to you, but you have been working with PWNRA for, we've been talking back and forth for, I don't know, two months. Go ahead and, and what have you came up with and how is a PWNRA, if somebody is already an existing member or if they are going to be signing up, how are they going to benefit from this app? Yeah, so, you know, you, you guys have just been hitting it out of the park, in my opinion, and disseminating pertinent real-time information for lake and pond management. So you've had a number of podcasts on relative weights and how important it is. Um, so with your cooperations and suggestions, what we've, we've done is just said, all right, <clears throat> if you register with PWNRA, which is a very simple, straightforward process just to access the information that you're continuing to compile, um, you're going to give them a promo code. That's right. To Smartfish. Uh, once you get your code, you're going to go to smartfishapp.com and register with smartfishapp.com. And through that process, it'll ask you for a code. And what that uh, PWNRA code will allow you to do is that gives you one full year of data logging. Oh, wow. Smartfish app. So you get to track all of your data that you entered for a year uh, for free with that, with that code. The way the SmartFish app works, it's a two-step process. And, and this has kind of tripped some people up, but let me just explain it really quickly. Yeah. Um, so go to smartfishapp.com. You'll, you'll see a login or register button. Register for the first time. You've already been to PWNRA. You got your promo code. All right, that's going to activate your SmartFish account. Then you download the app, which is for free, whether it's an Apple, go to App Store, or if it's a, a Droid, go to Google Play, download it. And it's going to ask you when you first open it up to log in. There's a login option yep. in your profiles. Go ahead and you'll use your username and password that you created when you registered with SmartFish to log in on your app. Don't log out, just log in that first time. And from then on, when you punch data into the SmartFish app, when you're fishing, it's automatically saved for you. Man. So that's the process. Cool. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, we're going to, you go to pwnra.org. Takes you literally, what guys, a minute and a half? Ask you like a yeah. series of questions. That's only going to help yep. you. 
Uh, yeah, and those questions only help the users, you know, because that helps yeah. you guys figure out what people need to hear. That's right. We ask you how big your lake is, how old it is, that kind of stuff. And it takes you about a minute and a half. Then basically you get an email. All that does is try to get some people together that are really willing to learn and want to learn about their lakes and ponds and what we can get you information. We're going to kick you back an email with promo code. And then Wade has done some cool stuff. Now you automatically get a year's subscription because Wade's awesome of the smart fish app to start data logging your, your fish. So <laughs> I, I told y'all he was my favorite guy in the industry. Yeah. Hey, one other, yeah. One other thing um, with these, with this app code, uh, promo code adaption, uh, we also added another species. We added bluegill to the smart fish app. Oh, cool. Got, got a lot of people out there, you know, pushing bluegill growth and trying to grow some big bluegills. Um, now you can log bluegill and largemouth bass in there and uh, you're good to go. Yeah. So great. Now you can get a place while you're on the lake and then you get a year subscription for just, just taking a minute and a half of your time. That's a pretty cool reward. <laughs> and it's only going to improve your lake and pond. So this is what we're trying to do with PWNRA. This is why we're working with great guys, great biologists like Wade and the aqua dunk down in tennessee and <laughs> yeah and uh but uh anything else you guys want to uh oh I, I wanted to mention this which wade was saying basically it's a two-part series we're going to send you the promo code but you do have to go to the website to create your login and profile we will send this information when we send you the pro promo code so there is a, just a little bit of a technical learning curve. So it's probably, uh, you got to go to the website to create your user login. Then you can go to the app and take it from there. Cause that's how we had to get the user and promo code involved in this. So, yeah. And that also that is a little, that's a stumbling block for some folks, but understand when we're collecting, when you're logging your data, that's actually being deposited into a secure separate website. So we have to have this two-step process, you know, to keep everybody safe on that end. Yep. All right. Very good. Any closing thoughts, Troy? No, Greg, this, this has been one of my favorite ones to uh, actually record. This has been great. Uh, I always enjoy talking with Wade. Um, I kind of enjoy talking with Matt occasionally, but Wade was a, a, we, a good, good <laughs> conversation this morning, Wade. Thank you for your input. Hey, guys, I really appreciate the opportunity to join you guys in your efforts and uh, enjoyed our discussion this morning. Yeah, uh, you know, it's early morning here and we're trying to kick this out before we all get busy in our afternoons over the weekend. So um, I appreciate it, guys, for taking the time and volunteering your time over your uh, precious weekend here and and uh, educate pond owners, lake owners and to get some kids out there fishing and and that sort of thing. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Troy. Thank you. Thank you all. This podcast, Sitting Dockside, is brought to you by Private Water Natural Resource Association, a nonprofit built just to educate private pond and lake owners in the water quality and fisheries and all of that good stuff. There's videos, there's places to read, and there's a community built right into that website. So if you want to learn more, jump to pwnra.org and click and by all means, make sure that this continues in the future. Podcast, education, video, become a member. If nothing else, there's tons of platforms. YouTube, Facebook, just hit like, send a comment. 
We appreciate everything you can do here at PWNRA.